You're listening to highlights from One Planet podcast interviews with Pina Gervasi, Climate Director of the Forest Stewardship Council. So you're at the Forest Stewardship Council and you've had a a varied career as an environmentalist. What drew you to this council and the mission of preserving and protecting and, and more ethically managing our forests? Well, I studied forestry, so I'm a forester. I am Peruvian, so of course I live surrounded by forests. And since I was a child, most of my family were dedicated to nature, fishing engineers, agriculture engineers. So I started to love nature since I was very little. And then when I realized how important is the Amazon for the world and that I was living in a country that's really, really important, not only because of forests, but also for biodiversity, for indigenous peoples, I decided that I wanted to do that. And I knew that that was the the place that I wanted to be. And I've been around for more than 18 years in FSC, I mean, different locations, different positions, different countries and regions. But it is an organization that I want to keep collaborating with. And I really, really share our mission. If you could expand a little bit more on your personal experiences, of course, you said of the Amazon or just what it's like. Why did you decide to devote your life to it? And I've never had a chance to visit. And I, I don't know what that experience is like. Yeah, I think that when you visit a forest that is FSC certified and, and you see the people living in there. Uh, in my case, I have visited indigenous communities. I I had the chance to stay with them once for three days in the middle of the forest. There was an earthquake happening that night. Yeah, that was, well, we live in an earthquake zone, you know. I was basically staying in the house of the chaman, of the, let's say, religious leader of the community. And they were telling me about all these connections with nature. They, I mean, the wife showed me a pharmacy they had in the garden basically with all the you know natural herbs and plants that they use to cure all illnesses in the community so I mean I was amazed by you know how forests are important for our lives (laughs) even you know for our health so because most of medicines of course come from from forest resources and plants so Yes, I think that really motivated me to continue in that in that in that road, let's say. When I was a student, a forestry student, I we had to do uh, practices in the Amazon. That's an obligatory part of uh, our curricula. And you have to stay two months in the forest. Uh, and I got malaria. Yeah, that was pretty terrible because, you know, the, the, the teachers wanted to send me back to the city for the treatment. Uh, and then I, I would have to wait for a year to do that curse again. So I decided to stay with malaria in the forest. But that was an amazing experience as well, because I was also treated with natural herbs. And then I got recovered. So it's it's really incredible, you know, an, an illness like malaria that is cured by a tree that is, a, you know, native from Peru, actually. That is a quinine tree. That is a symbol of the, of, I mean, of Peru as well. So yes, I think you know forests are so important. They, I mean, of course, the beauty they have. You know, that time that I visited the community, the the house of the chairman was located like in a small island in the river, and and I had to go through the river like for half an hour with this five year old girl in a canoe <laughs> that that was driving me over the river. So it's amazing how how the people live with nature 
and maybe we don't notice that. So, I mean, that's my connection with nature. I think being a forester and and visiting the forest and working for FSA. And then I don't know all the solutions, but I think about plastics uh, pollution now and Maybe you know other solutions, uh, but as we wean ourselves, I guess, on from plastic uh, dependency, I'm, I don't know. Please tell me the solutions there because I, I haven't heard them all. Mm-hmm. We'll be depending more on the paper products. And so the importance of uh, forestry, uh, ethical forestry management is, is so will become even more important. But just tell me some of the solutions that you've come across and how that how those can be addressed. Yes, we, as FSC, we believe in the circular bioeconomy agenda that it's becoming much more important and will become more important in the coming years. Uh, And when we talk about raw materials, I I think there is a trend to transform synthetic-based raw materials into more use of natural-based raw materials and particularly in forestry-based raw materials. And, And we see that in the construction industry, this is very, very important. Many, many regions and countries in the world use a lot of wood for construction, but this is not the case everywhere in the world because the benefits of using wood instead of concrete, for example, are not being very well understood by the construction sector, but we're working towards that to make the use of wood more prominent. Also, the sustainable textile industry, as you know, now there are textiles and clothes being produced from cellulose-based material coming from forests. And and many of of these companies are FSC certified. So you can now buy buy clothes that have an an FSC label that comes from FSC certified forests. And of course, the comparison of the use of wood-based materials in relation to to carbon impacts is much less than using other types of materials, in particular synthetic materials that, of course, you cannot recycle or, I mean, you can recycle, but they they will not biodegrade in the future. So I think there are industries that are advancing this agenda of changing the, the raw materials they use. I mean, I can talk about bamboo for construction, for example, as a very, very huge growing industry being used for different purposes, including construction as well, textiles, food and others, uh, and rubber, for example, being used, I mean, rubber coming from natural forests, tropical forests, being used in the apparel, fashion and foodware industry. So so I think these industries that have the close relationship with customers and the civil society and consumers in general, can help us to position these these type of products instead of synthetic and artificial products that are basically causing uh, more damage and and going against climate change as well. Bamboo is interesting. I don't completely understand it, but I believe that there's innovative uses of bamboo that really encourages uh, biodiversity and help regenerate the soil. You you know more about this. Bamboo is a product that has so many different uses and there's so many different species as well all over the world. I can tell you about a concrete example that, that we had a couple of years ago. This is a bamboo cooperative led by women in Ecuador. And this is a, I mean, relatively small operation if you compare the production of bamboo in China, for example. So this operation that is being managed uh, by this cooperative has certified their bamboo production and plantations with FSE, but mainly not only for the use of the bamboo products and the labeling the bamboo products with the FSE label, but also to deliver and guarantee water conservation impacts 
regarding bamboo. As you know, bamboo is one of the species that can actually conserve water on the ground. And this area in particular in Ecuador has huge of, I mean, water problems. So this, this operation has helped to maintain the water sources in these areas in Ecuador. How has the pandemic affected your work and the FFC's work? I would say that in general, and, and that has happened not only with this pandemic, but has happened in the past with big financial crisis, uh, global financial crisis, such as the, the one that happened in, I don't know, when was that, 2013? But, you know, what we have seen is that companies that are FSC certified really pass through the crisis in a much better way than the ones that were not certified. So, I mean, their financial stability and, and markets were not really affected by the pandemic in a, I mean, in a global way. That's one thing that we have seen in terms of the forest. And again, coming from a, from a forest country, this is a real problem because the pandemic has also exacerbated abandonment forest areas, you know, where there is no surveillance or control. So there is a growing trend of illegal logging in those areas, no authorities being present. I mean, pol police is mostly. What we have seen is the trend that there is more illegal logging in the forest areas, there is less you know, police control, less government control, governments are allocated to control the pandemic and you know, make the people follow the rules. So yes, more drug business happening in connection to forests as well. So yeah, I mean, I think for the local people, of course, and not only that, the pandemic also affecting communities and indigenous people that live in the forest and of course do not have medicines really, or even health system or a good health infrastructure so there's a lot of indigenous peoples that have died because of the of COVID-19 so so yes I mean in general you can also tell that it has affected the habits of people in a maybe positive way you know with less transport happening in many cities where people are doing virtual work maybe also less traffic less cars in the streets that happened at the beginning of the pandemic where I could see just on top of my house falcons that I haven't seen for years, for example, in the city, even pumas I know in Chile coming out in the city wow. <laughs> because <laughs> the streets were isolated. Yes, I, I think it's a trade-off between what is good for nature and what is good for the people. And, and we need to create a balance for that. But definitely what I believe is that we cannot live as we lived before the pandemic and that we need to learn from from what we've passed uh, and also understand that nature is also critical because as you know, there is a big theory of zoonosis being the, the cause of this COVID-19, you know, and not only that, but I, I think there is around, it's calculated that there are around 6 million, million viruses connected to, na to nature and forests that can affect the hu human beings. So, so yeah, this can be only one of, of it, and unfortunately, but they're also very vulnerable to, you know, to what you know, the, let's say, civilization bring to them, not only positively but also negatively. We hope you enjoyed this program. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on subscribe. Thanks for listening.